0: How are
1: you i'm good how are you, you got any gas down there <laughs> you damn it you took like the first thing off my list don don we're we are having i've got a i've got a drafts list here right so right. things things that i like to talk to you about um today first thing on my list is gas day we <laughs> we, we literally have a gas day today my children are not in school why gas day no gas (laughs) this is the first holiday yeah it's the first one so um my my witty uh 12 year old said that he looked forward as we were sitting around the dinner table last night he said he looked forward to making a gas man and maybe uh throwing gas balls uh yeah yeah, he's 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 a funny one he's a good one he's a keeper he's a keeper he's a keeper that one back yep so uh it, it was all yeah we got a got a message from uh from the schools saying uh sorry folks uh, no ga-. and and this is this is a you know there, there's lots going on with this right so so there's kind of a shortage but not really then there's panic buying that's leading to shortages um and but it is legit here uh, we I, I woke up this morning to a news report it's like 78 percent of gas stations in North Carolina are without gas wow yeah and, uh, yeah, so, so a, a couple of days ago, um, both, both of our uh, cars were, were running on uh, – well, I, we, we like to – as as much as i'm risk averse on i like to push the needle uh, <laughs> literally when it comes to gas uh and uh, we were we were somewhere you know in that eighth of a tank uh range when uh when Ooh, things that's f- i'm i'm getting nervous just listening
0: to you say well, that there you, so see i'm am am a quarter tank and uh or or more sometimes person so
1: i i, I, I will i'll tell you the worst and best thing that happened is as uh, we got new technology in our cars, as we upgraded uh, cars over the last couple of years, um, due to, I say it like it, it's a fun thing, uh, due to uh, one car accident and one that the transmission broke, um, the, the new cars that we have tell us uh, approximately how many miles you oh, have yeah. left, yeah. right? So um, Yeah. I like to I like to use that as a, as a as a well you know quarter tank whatever I still got twenty four miles, uh, which and is, how far away is the gas station? Wow. less than twenty four miles. Definitely, and even if I have to go to four or five gas stations, I I certainly <laughs> will be able to to create a loop that is you know shorter than twenty four miles. So it's funny that, that on
0: the other show you're the risk
1: averse Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's why I, I, it's definitely when it comes to, to gas I'm uh, I'm not very risk averse uh so um yeah we we, we got we got uh, I, I was able to spend time in lines getting uh gas for both of our vehicles uh it wasn't nearly you know I, once i found a gas station i, I waited there for, for 20 minutes and got gas there was no uh fisticuffs as you may have seen on the internet uh people getting very upset it was all very pleasant uh did you did you did you get any extra gas in a like a plastic bag. I did not. I, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't. didn't feel the need to do that. I in fact have a buckets. <laughs> yep, no buckets, no Tupperware, no not nothing. I I, 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 have, saw, I saw I
0: saw a very funny picture on the internet of somebody posting uh, which was obviously a flooded basement, <laughs> and they said, "Well." I, my ga- uh, my my basement is now half full of gasoline, so I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just this dirty water that was in somebody's basement. So obviously, what they uh, it, the joke has been they didn't actually have gasoline in their basement, right? But uh, but it was it was pretty funny.
1: Oh uh, well, so I, I have a, um, I have a gas can that I use to fill up my lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even take that. You know mm-hmm. why? You know why, Don? I just needed—I took the gas I needed to, to fill my car up, um, it for to drive around to take my kids to school, which, in um, hindsight, probably also wasn't needed since we have a gas day today. Gas day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah.
0: But so, you know, I, I hear the guest—the shortage should be over
1: soon um, because they paid the hackers. They paid the hackers. They they were hacked and they paid the hack. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I'm, I'm, I've read the same thing. I, I almost said I'm reading the same thing. Like, like you and I get daily uh, security briefs, but <laughs> I think, yeah, my, <laughs> I read, I'm reading that in my briefings. No, I, I read that in a media article as well that, uh, yeah, it's it, at the end of this, it's, it's probably just easier to, to pay the hacker. Um, and of course the FBI is not happy with that because we don't, no, we don't negotiate no, with hackers negotiate with terrorists. With, <laughs> yeah. and it seems like. I don't know if they even negotiated. I, I, more was like a fee for service. Uh, well,
0: please. And, and if you read the same the same New York Times article that I did, um, apparently they didn't like this. Was the the ransom that they were charged was not the typical. It was too low. Right, right. They got a discount. And, they yeah. Got a- <laughs> well, and it sounds like maybe they they were hoping. They thought that they uh, apparently they don't like to target really high profile <laughs> companies <laughs> with this hack. And I think they might have screwed this one up because uh, I think it's kind of high profile now.
1: Right. And everybody knows who they are. They're the, the dark ones, the dar- darker, darker people. Uh, oh, no. Hey, no. We're
0: not that kind of podcast.
1: No. What was it? What are they? I can't remember. They're, they've got dark a name. Web? I don't think it's on dark the dark, web. Web. dark, dark web. web. Dark web. Dark web. Dark uh, <laughs> web. So yeah, so the, they they have um, they've they've paid the ransom. I guess there's there's gas that's coming back, uh, but yeah, we're we're in. What, now I read in the same article that there was about one percent of the gas stations in New Jersey were out of gas. So I'm I'm assuming it's not affecting you. Uh, like you don't have a New Jersey gas day today, do you?
0: Well, I here's the thing. Um, we ju- we just on our way back from getting our second jab, as they say. Um, we filled up our one car at my favorite uh, Wawa, which you know everybody needs a favorite Wawa oh, yeah. in New Jersey. Which is which is not not really. It, it was a great. It was my favorite because it was on the way from my work to my old home, um, and now
1: it's. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not. It's not really on the
0: way to anywhere else. On the way to visiting the hospital uh, where we got our jab. Um, Uh, but it's not really on the way to anywhere else. I got to find a new favorite Wawa, but, uh, but, and and that's in the, that's in the, the Subaru, which gets, uh, not as good mileage. And the Prius has about a quarter tank or so, maybe less, but we don't ever go anywhere Ben. Um, so, and my wife likes to drive the car that has a lot of gas in the tank now. So we're, we're fine. we're,
1: We're fine. Us too. I mean, we're not, we, we, we would only be going back and forth to school and, and maybe to, to lacrosse. Uh, the, the outdoor youth sports that, that my children play. Um, we, uh, uh, speaking of, of jabs, uh, I got a 12 year old who got his first dose yesterday. So not to, I don't know if that's a HIPAA violation. Um, (laughs) if I just shared that private medical information of the minor that I I, uh, supervised, I I, uh, I think you're allowed, you're allowed. (laughs) He was very, he was very excited.
0: He, he he signed that this, this uh, consent form, right? Yeah.
1: Well, and, and he, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think that um, he's already a contributor to the show based on <laughs> Gas Man and Gasballs, so so I think he's he's in. Yeah, he totally he totally signed a disclaimer. He knows what he got into getting into this family, uh, which is that I might talk about him on a podcast every once in a while.
0: Well, you know what they say, you know, if you got to pick, uh, you got to pick the best parents.
1: That's right. You can you can uh, uh, pick your nose and you can pick your friends, but you can't <laughs> pick your parents. <laughs> it's the, so something like that. so, um, he was very excited. Uh, he, uh, for multiple reasons. One, I, I think, I mean, being around a, a family that is, uh, invested in the world of public health, I think he's heard a lot about this and he was like, yeah, let's go. I want to go get this. Secondly, um, the, the fact that Krispy Kreme is giving away, uh, free donuts to anyone who has a vac- vaccine card and, and he has, because of TikTok and other media means that, that he, uh, um, uh, consumes, he decided, uh, that is, is uh, something that we will be doing often um, just anytime he wants a donut that he'll just, you know, <laughs> as go as, there's gas. as long as there's <laughs> gas, he'll he'll run upstairs and get his, his vaccine card and say, Hey, uh, let's go get a Krispy Kreme, get your card. Let's go. It's free. So well, I he was I, very I was happy.
0: T- I, I heard a very funny story on a podcast this morning about somebody who was talking to their nephew who like didn't really want to get a vaccine. And the person said, well, look, Hey, um, I tell you what, I'll pay you $50 a dose. And the guy was like, "Oh, sweet, a hundred bucks!" And then the uncle took him to get the J <laughs> 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 and He was
1: pissed. Hey, it's a discount. it? I, I just saved myself thirty percent. Should have read the fine print, there, buddy. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Nice. Yeah. So, um, I, I feel you know we we've got uh, we, we've got. A, a, just a shift in in what people are talking about now right we've got masks being cdc's talking about masks and uh more people are getting vaccines but it, it's like all of that's happening but then i looked i, I had a I had a zoom um happy hour last night with uh with some friends who i won't i, I won't uh I won't dox them, but I'll but I'll I'll give you there were, there were two FDA individuals uh, and then uh and, and a professor from Virginia Tech and the four of us uh, talked about this and as we were talking about it I looked up um, what my state's um, like vaccination uh, rates are and it, it seems like I don't know this is this is the part that's that's hard I think now it seems like everyone I know is getting, has, has they're they're fully vaccinated, right? Like, like my entire circle. Um, And people might be, uh, I don't know, like lying about it. I don't think they are like, but, but I, it would be really difficult for me to find someone who I would interact with um, socially that has not been uh, fully vaccinated. But then I looked at my county stats. So I live in Wake County and we're at like you know I think it was like 39% are fully vaccinated and 41% have got their first dose. So I live in a weird bubble, right? Like I don't it's not it, it seems like to me all the people that I know everything is we're we're at like 99%, but but I obviously don't know everybody who lives in my county and but it gives me this false sense of everybody is vaccinated and they're and they're not. And that kind of leads to all this um uh, consternation, maybe that's the best word around the CDC's mask. You know, let, let, if you're fully vaccinated, um, don't wear a mask inside. And, and this idea of, um, I don't know how many people are fully vaccinated. It seems like not as many as I think there are. Does that, does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I
0: was reading a, again, a story, I guess, and there's been a lot of, a lot of news about the CDC, um, mask policy. And we, I think we should we should dig into that a little bit. Um, but the one of the news stories I was reading said something like essentially, um, you know, the, the vaccination rate nationwide is only around 35 percent. Right. And so most people in the country are not vaccinated, um, which is bizarre to me because everyone in my family and everyone I talk to is vaccinated or is in the process of becoming vaccinated. So it's a it's quite uh, yeah, it's quite weird.
1: It, it is, and so uh, we'll link to this in um, the uh, in the show notes. I just sent you a link to this mm-hmm. kind of cool map where you can mouse over, and and here here's here's where where it says. So I got I got my numbers a little bit wrong, but let me get them mm. right here. Percent of population vaccinated with at least one dose in Wake County, thirty nine percent. Percent of population fully vaccinated, thirty five point three percent. And certainly, this is not just about percent of population that is eligible to get a vaccine right because there's still a bunch of kids who are less than mm-hmm. 12 years yep. old that are not yep. eligible and this it won't be updated because i mean yesterday was the first day that kids could really get it but still that it's way i don't know it's just way lower than i first of all than i want it to be and secondly than i expected it to be and it's um i don't know it, it's it's a weird it's it it, it yet again highlights in the food safety side of things for me where I, you know, I, I, one of the stories that I've told a lot over the last couple of years related to washing poultry is that I, I had a very, um, what I thought a good understanding of what people did when they wash poultry, because I knew how I would wash poultry, right? Like my, Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. bubble was this, this is what it means. And then when we started doing observation studies and inviting people in to actually wash poultry, like they would at home, I was right. 85% of the time, you know, or it looked like what I was doing, but that left 15% of the time of just stuff that I hadn't um, predicted. And that's this to me, like, it's very, it's very similar. Like I, my my perspective here is everyone i know is vaccinated but then when i when i look at actual numbers and and data it's like no no people like so many people are not and we're we're not we we might start feeling good about this but we're not really in a situation where we should feel all that great yet
0: <sighs> yeah yeah
1: and and then you look at some of the rural counties where it's striking like there's a county um, just south of me Harnett county of the population, one dose, uh, fully vaccinated, 18.9%. Like that even right there, that's, you know, it's, it's a smaller rural county, but it's striking the difference in vaccine uptake and then go one county South of that 15% with one dose, 13% fully vaccinated. I don't know, Don.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 you know, I mean, it's, it's the whole the whole the whole the pandemic has been like this, right? It's like, like sort of alternating between oh my gosh, I can't believe we're here, and then it's like oh my gosh, I can't believe we're here, right? Yes. I mean, it's uh, I can't believe that we, um, and it's amazing. And in uh, well, I don't know relative to when this episode will post, but
1: relative <laughs> hey, to when this episode hey, is no recording. Shame. Hey.
0: <laughs> hey, hey. Um, uh uh relative to when this episode is recording um I'll be you know next Tuesday this is Friday as we record and next Tuesday I will be 2 weeks post um uh post my second dose right but I, but on the other hand I've also canceled my plans to travel to Phoenix for the IAFP meeting I mean and it's and it, and it's and it's and I just again I was reading the news this morning um, about uh, baseball players and um, TV personalities that were fully vaccinated that now have a positive COVID test, right? right? So, and again, these vaccines are 95% effective, which sounds really good. But what that means is that like one in 20, uh, or that means your odds of getting the, of getting infected are still one in 20, right? right? Well, and, and, now, and it's probably I even higher. Maybe you're not going to go to
1: Right? Well, because yeah, well
0: yeah well you're you're yeah maybe i'm mis- misrepresenting what the what the the data mean but uh but yeah there's still there's still a chance that you can become infected right um and, and now maybe not experience symptoms right yep. maybe yep. not um go to the hospital certainly let's hope not die right but but you could still shed the virus and then and if and if only 35 percent of the people nationwide are vaccinated there's a lot of people out there that you could be spreading the virus to that are not vaccinated. So, uh, which is, which again, brings me back to thinking about like why the CDC and we, I mean, we, we need, we need to read what they said and kind of parse it very carefully. Right. But why they've changed their, their mass policy.
1: Right. What well,
0: <laughs> or their mass, I don't know if it's a policy or yeah, right? their guidance, their statement about mask, that,
1: guidance about mass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, the thing, the thing about it is, and this is you know again sort of this common theme of what we do on this podcast um it's about an individual risk versus right. a population right. risk right right right, right. right. And, and and yeah the the individual and 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 this is this is the like i i think this is one of those hard things uh, about being in public health is that we're often looking at population versus individual, and it's and it's probabilities and and all that all that stuff, right? Like, but but here you have a, a guidance that says for you as an individual, if you are fully vaccinated, the the risks uh, are are not significant enough. The I guess the the risk of uh, of you getting sick are not significant enough that you need to wear a mask. Now the risks of you. Acquiring the virus and transmitting the virus. That's a different situation, right? Like, that's a population question. But I I think that's really part of part of this. And it's I I continue to find it um, difficult for folks who are outside of our arena to to um, it's not. I don't know. I think I think, they, I think you, they they get it when you when you have that conversation or when you when you explain it. But when you see, hey, guidance is changing. To for for us, we often jump into the 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 nuance and the details, and and everyone just like, not everybody, but lots of people just want to know what can I do, right? And why? Right. And, um, but but not maybe getting into this like population versus individual risk.
0: Right. Right, and 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 then the other thing too. I mean, looking at the CDC's webpage on this, uh, again, first first bullet point: if you're fully vaccinated, you can resume activities that you did prior to the pandemic. Um, second bullet point: fully vaccinated people can blah blah blah. Uh, except where require uh, can resume activities without wearing a mask or physically distancing. I'm glad they're saying physically distancing instead of socially distancing, yes. right? We talked about that. That's good. Um, except where required by federal, state, local, tribal, or territorial laws, rules, and regulations, including local business and workplace guidance. Right. And so what that means is we're saying this, but that could be, you, you could experience stricter restrictions all the way down the chain, all the way down to my workplace says, right? Yep. Um, Which is, which is, I think it's, I I mean, it's, it's kind of, I I mean, I like it. I like the way that, I mean, it's, again, I would say in in the uh, (laughs) FDA, BC, DC plus uh, (laughs) message, messaging, I would say that's a, that's a, that's a, I don't know. I don't know how, how you could do that better. I would say, let's give it a B plus.
1: Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. And. And it's, and it's a, it, it's a tough one because, um, the headline is all that people are, are getting to, right. Which oh, for sure. Right. That, that, and that's not, uh, I don't know. Like, well, that's the problem of headlines, right. And sound no, bites
0: and, and, and like, you know, uh, short attention spans and Twitter and all of that. It's like, well, okay, that's fine. And I, I can't, it would be a full-time job to, I was reading something today where it's like the, the comment was this, and it, it, was, it was actually a tweet from Daniel Griffith, I think, who's usually pretty on the money. And it was like, "That's that the, you said this thing and you linked to this other thing. The thing that you said was not the headline of the article. What you said, I think, was not correct. The headline was a little more correct. And if you actually read the article, it's a little bit more different. I, well, it's – I mean – That's the whole reason why we have this podcast, Ben, so we can dither and equivocate, right? Uh, Because if we were (laughs) – because if all we did was shout headlines at each other, it (laughs) would be a very short podcast. (laughs) It would be a a different and kind of fun podcast, I think.
1: Right. Yeah, it might not be short. Like I think people uh, – there's a lot of headlines. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, it's – this is – I don't know. It's one it's one of those ongoing challenges that 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 leads to a lot of like second guessing. Um and and, and I I'm experiencing this in with my uh, Canadian brethren um mm-hmm. around golf courses being closed in Ontario um which which is like people are really really focused on one setting, right? So the so the Ontario government said, "Okay, um we're we are experiencing things are really bad here." Things we we don't have a lot of vaccine coverage. Um, we're we're getting there, uh, but we our vaccine supply is not great. Um, our cases are skyrocketing because probably because there wasn't a whole lot of acquired immunity last year because we were controlling things pretty well, and now we're experiencing kind of what like to me it looks like what we experienced in the U.S. last year in Canada right now where where they're they're teetering on at least in Ontario, I guess. And and that'll again for my, for other Canadians who don't live in Ontario, um, the way that I approached Canada being only Ontario is probably (laughs) maddening for them again right now. Um, but, but the, um, you know the my 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 Facebook uh, friends and acquaintances and people that I that I grew up with are really focused on this like Canada Ontario is the only only jurisdiction in the entire world right now to close golf courses and why are we closing golf courses and you're they're kind of they're kind of missing the whole point yeah that's probably not a like it's probably not doing anything. I mean, but
0: except pissing off people want like all,
1: yeah. And and then the, like, and and it's a, and it's a misstep. And then the, the government is doubling down and saying, well, it's not about what you do at the golf course. It's about what happens as, as you go to the golf course and it's, it's not needed and people are gathering and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's it's a, it's a, it's a headline, um, uh, frenzy uh and mm-hmm. and it's one you know kind of one issue that people can can push or like can point at and say this is stupid and it probably is stupid but it's it's not the, the approach is not just closing golf courses right like they it's it's doing a whole bunch of other things but that's what where the focus is right now is like just and it's kind of crazy like it's not like I think about all the people that I know from Canada and it's not like they're all golfers, right? Like, like they're like, there's it's a very vocal minority it's right the, now. It's the
0: national sport.
1: Ben. It's the I'm national sport. Sure. Yeah. Isn't it?
0: Of course. On, isn't it a national sport? It's something with, with swinging a, a stick and hitting a thing. right?
1: It, while kind of, so the national sport of, <laughs> of, of Canada is lacrosse. So it is swinging a <laughs> stick and throwing a ball. Um, but, but yeah, so, but it's, it's so bizarre. Like, you know, everyone's kind of rolling around golf course. And I'm like, well, well you weren't, you people aren't golfers. Why are you worried about this? It's not affecting you. Uh but yeah, anyway, it's a uh, what I, Don let me let me like give my my biggest takeaway from uh gas day today and vaccines and what people it, it, it's this in the pandemic. Um we really can't count on people. <laughs> but. Huh. Right, like, like people, people are just gonna people out there. They're gonna, wow. th- you know, they, 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 they're gonna fill up their their Tupperware containers and have car fires. And even if we tell them, hey, don't panic buy because it makes it worse for everybody, they're just gonna do it. And if we say, you know, you. Here, here, let me explain a little bit more about what the mask guidance you know, means. They're like, yeah, but I just see the headline that says CDC now says it's safe for fully vaccinated people to take their masks off in most indoor settings, which which is, in fact, the sub headline in the New York Times article from mm-hmm. yesterday. So I don't know. Just people. People are going to people out there and uh, and people are going to complain and they're going to argue and. It's, uh, it's, it being in public health is hard and for, for folks right now. And I, yeah, because of this or being in gas management is hard as well because of this. (sighs) I don't know people. Could we have, and this is like a a real, um, dark, like Marvel cinematic universe uh, situation, but that's, that's why Thanos snapped his finger was to have less people because people create the problems and I'm not being Thanos here. Let me, let me be, let me be very clear. You know, I don't even know where to go after this, uh, like dirt diatribe I just gave. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think, I think we should go.
0: I think we should go to some uh, listener feedback.
1: Oh, good, good. Let's get. let's getting into the um, and feedback. And this is,
0: and this is a little bit of. Uh, this is completely out of context. Completely changing gears, and it's not even in the Dropbox. Oh, right? but I just want to give a giant uh, shout out to longtime listener and friend of the podcast, Deep Crimson. Yes. who was responding to. Uh, Don Don loves maps <laughs> with giving Don more maps. and And so what uh, what Deep Crimson provided was a link to the Library of Congress website. and specifically, maps. Um, let me see if I can find, I, I'm, I'll be a minute to find the link, but I can find I've got something here on my desktop um, that I know I can find easily. So these are, Fire maps, yeah, from it, a company whose name escapes me right now. Fi- Sandborn, Sandborn, Fire Sanborn Insurance, Fire Maps. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, from basically around the country, and so what I did was I, I. So I first I started with, oh gosh, I wonder what the fire maps look like for the place that I'm living now, and it turns out. Um, So these are old, right? And so I think the most recent ones are in the 1920s. um, And it turns out, not surprisingly, since the house that I live in now was built around 1950, it's not on fire maps from the 1920s, because there were no houses here. And so therefore, no, no reason for having fire maps. But I did find Eventually, um, the the house where I we lived in Freehold for many years was on one of the fire maps, Whoa. and then that got me into a deep dive. Like, well, what about what about if I find fire maps from all the places that I've lived? Because these are beautiful, multicolored maps. Like, especially the main map of a city it'll have like sub maps that are different colors and they're just really they're really gorgeous and so uh, and I as you know Ben <laughs> I love maps
1: Don loves maps and
0: so I did a really deep dive uh, while I was uh, on a call where I was mostly listening because I can do like I can multitask certain things like the looking at the maps and stuff that's like engaging a part of my brain that is not the part that's processing language and so I can look at beautiful maps and save stuff to my desktop while mostly listening to what people are saying and it was uh, it was it was really fun, and I saved a bunch of maps. And I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking about. I want to get. I've been working on art for my office and uh, at my home office, and I think some maps on the wall from places that I might have lived would be uh, would be cool. So anyway, I'm, I'm working on that.
1: I, I love that, and and it's funny you, you did this because I did I did the same thing. Um, I I don't live. i and I've not lived in a um, here in the U.S. in a very old house. I think the house we live in now was built in 1981, and the previous house we lived in, um, my 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 old new house, uh, was from 2007 or something. But mm-hmm. um, there's a really cool image in this, and, and thanks to thanks to Deep uh, Crimson for this. Um, a really cool image of downtown Raleigh uh, from the Sanborn mm-hmm. Fire Insurance mm-hmm. yep, Map yep. or uh, Fire Insurance Company. Uh, and it, what's really cool? This one is from um, Gosh, 19. Twenty four, I think it is, and um, the the street names are all different. Oh yeah, which I which never really thought about. Like some of them are the same. Like like we have Edenton and Hargett and Davy. Those are those are all the same. But like you know, there's another one called Camden, which is not a or Idlewood. This not a, it's not a road that we have now. There's there's Blunt, but it's it's kind of it's cool. Like that you're just seeing things that have been renamed. Um, over, well, and I, over
0: I, I noticed this in, I noticed this in the freehold map. There is a street, um, called center street. Um, but on the fire maps, it's center, but not with the American spelling. It's sent T R E. Right. Instead Whoa. of C E N T E
1: R, Right. Which I thought was weird. That, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. So I, I also came across a different spelling for um, the the street that that NC State borders. That's Hillsborough mm-hmm. Street, mm-hmm. and in these maps, it is uh, borough as in b r o r b no yes. Yes. Yep. b o r o yes yes. But that's not how we spell it now. Now we we have a b o r o u g h. So you have a bunch of extra letters that you don't pronounce, right? <laughs> that it's still Hills, Hillsborough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I thought that was kind of, kind of fascinating too. So anyway, thanks to Deep Crimson and, and always, I, and I want to, um, I want to give a shout out, a special shout out to Deep Crimson because, um, Deep Crimson is one of our frequent, um emailers and don you you really uh, are usually very much on the ball and responding and and have said so many cool things that I often don't say anything uh but i want i want um I, I want deep crimson to know that I read these and and it and it it's very uh it's very appreciative uh that the follow-up that we get
0: well you know i know here's the thing then i know how how you do email mm-hmm. and uh and if it gets below the fold um mm-hmm. it'll still be there but you probably won't respond and so you know i'm happy to i'm happy to try to be the one that's good at email of the two of us but it's not um yeah i wonder which of those which of those 34 things is the one that it makes you good at email it's, woo, I think it's right that's
1: pretty it's <laughs> always that's woo. one that we're we're both low on but but i'm lower than you're lower than me on. Let's call it let's look. Let's see what we got here. Let's call it um I'm looking at uh at this right now. Let's say it's uh, uh something low. But you're maybe it's significance. <laughs> I'm lower. I you are you are significantly higher on significance than I am. Uh maybe it is uh well, it might be consistency. There's one that, that you're oh, – I dras-
0: think that could be it. Yeah, yep.
1: drastically higher than I am. Um, okay. K- l- these things cluster together, Don. Discipline, consistency, and harmony. And in fact, uh, you are much higher on all three of those than I am. Huh.
0: Yep, that's yeah, interesting. It is. And so we should tell people. I don't remember what this thing is called anymore. I just call it thirty-four things. Yeah, um, it's called these so thirty-four things with me. It's
1: yeah, it's called the uh, skills skills map. No, that's not it. No. it it's called oh gosh, it's, it's a, a it's a quiz that we took. that, yes. that Yeah, that give you thirty-four things that including are you strategic or a maximizer or a learner. Um, see, what is attributes? Of course, I'll never be able to find this. Uh, true. I'm just going to Google 34 things. Yeah. Um, nope, that's not right. I, I, I did. Oh, there So Don, I yes. just Googled 34 true skills <laughs> And let me tell you it's not the first thing on the list but it is in the first page of Google and it is the Clifton Strengths assessment. Clifton, yes, yes. Clifton Strengths from, from Gallup. From That's the Gallup so weird people. That it's Gallup. Yeah, well they, you know, they're a conglomerate. They they do lots of things. They've got uh, they poll people, they do consulting, they do strengths, they do learning, they they have featured insights sometimes. So yeah. The Gallup Gallup. Grants, uh, weaknesses,
0: opportunities and and, uh, and troubles. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this is, as I said before, on the podcast, and we keep coming back to this, I think these things are mostly BS, but I'm also a total sucker for these things.
1: So I, Yeah. And it, it look and just look at the hot content that we get from it. <laughs> uh <laughs> So yes, they, thank you for to uh, Deep Crimson for for fantastic follow up uh, as as always and highlighting uh, my inability to um, email people back. Um, so there's some other oh I have things on my list and then we got a bunch of things in the in, in the Dropbox. So mm-hmm. can I can I tell you about things on my list first? Yes. I, would, big, you like, I, would you like to tell me about something you like? I, well, I want to tell you about something maybe not something that I like but something I want to that. <laughs> That I do, that you do, um, as as well. So, I I have um, I have a um, a PhD student right now, and um, she and I I, I co advise her with um, with Megan Jacob, one of my one of my friends uh, in the vet college. Um, and the student's name's Catherine. Catherine and Megan and I have been talking quite a bit about how we review papers. And, and part of this is, you know, it's not something that I've done a whole lot of in, in training, you know, I don't know, future reviewers. Like I've never really thought about how do I review a paper? What's, what's my approach. And so, um, one of the things over the last couple of months that, that we've, as a group have been talking about is like, all right, what if, like, what if we try really, um, systematically to think about, you know, what, what does it take to review a paper? What am I looking for? What am I, what's the, what's the method? What's the, like, what's my approach? How quick should I do it? What, what am I, what am I going with? And so I wanted to talk to you about that. You're, you're an editor of a journal, um, and you also review a lot of papers and I've never really talked to anybody about, how I do this other than, other than Catherine and, and Megan. So I want to, I want to throw, I want to ask you, what do you like? What does reviewing a paper look like to you? If, if you, and I'm, I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot cause I have I, I I've know. done a, a bunch of prep on this. You, I, you yeah. Yeah. What does it look no,
0: like? I, I, so I, um, not to, not to correct you, but I'm, I'm actually the editor for several journals.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yes. Uh, the, um, as Milton Burrell says, just take out as just much as you need to eat. win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so yeah so I have was a longtime editor for applied and environmental microbiology uh, f- a, f- a fact for which I am uh, very grateful because it really was a was a great experience for me and really stretched me as a as a scientist than as a microbiologist because I had to handle stuff you know way outside my comfort zone as a food microbiologist and also great appreciation for folks that, are willing to review manuscripts that are outside their little niche area that's nothing as an editor nothing infuriates me more than for somebody to say well this is you know i mean it's one thing if it's so far outside your area that you you can't even recommend someone to to do the review instead but Mm -hmm. but people that are willing to to stretch a little bit i think is it's always it's always welcome um and then no sooner had i stepped down uh from being uh from serving my my third of the two maximum terms i'm allowed to serve um uh, i was asked to join the as an editor of another journal and so now i'm an editor for the journal food microbiology and then an opportunity came along to work on a a, another uh, as an editor for another journal and some of these are uh, they're not like when, when I was at working for AEM, I was an editor, and then I had an editor-in-chief over me. In these other journals, I'm an associate editor or something, With and there's still some, a person that I'm re- nominally reporting to or that is overseeing. I forget exactly the correct title, but I'm just going to say editor because essentially that's what I'm doing. Um, uh, so Food Micro and then also uh, Comprehensive Reviews. In food science and food safety, which is which is an IFT journal, which is which is which is a, a re, which handles reviews, which are much longer um, articles, and then and then of course um, the uh, the one that we're both doing, which is not really a journal. Uh, but I'll I'll just I, I refer to it as a shorthand as Carol Wallace's journal, right? Where you and I are, are supposedly,
1: <laughs> right,
0: right, uh, finding people to write articles about things, which which I'm making I'm making some some progress on. So, but that one that one is more uh, uh, in in progress than than fully fully developed. So so as an editor, I have a great appreciation for people that that do reviews, and then also, I have sort of doubled down on my own reviewing. And so I review for a variety of different journals. I almost always, if it's if it's within, if it's something related to food microbiology, um, I will do it. And I, I am I do get I do get requests from predatory journals. Those are automatically now being sent to spam or quasi predatory journals, so I don't even see those requests. But then other journals such as JFP, FPT, um, uh, IJFM. Uh, food control you know all of those uh, and then there's a, there's a few others as well I'm almost always accepting those so I i at any given time I have somewhere between it's seldom zero uh, I would say somewhere between three and five reviews that i'm I'm doing and so I do a couple of things so I first thing I do is I accept the request I download the PDF I put the PDF in a specific folder in Dropbox i Send a message to myself uh, to OmniFocus, to which basically gives the 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 numerical code, you know, for mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. for the article. So if it was uh, uh, food protection trends, it would be FPT, and then you know some number, and then usually the year or something like that. And then I indicate when it's due. Not that I ever hit that deadline, but, 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 I want to know when it's due. Um, and then, uh, I will, uh, and, and, t- and, so typically I'll do this at the end of the day or I'll do it on the weekend. So, so afternoons and weekends is the main time, or if I'm on a plane, but I'm, I'm never on a plane anymore, but, but if I'm traveling, I'll do it when I'm traveling as yep. well. Yep. Um, and then the, the, the software that has made all the difference for me is an app on iPad called iAnnotate and this is a PDF markup app. And so what I will do is I will read through the entire article uh, making comments. And what I'll typically do is to highlight a section of text and then click on the highlight and then, and then type my comments. And, and, and then the great thing about Iannotate <clears throat> is you can, after you've gone through and, and made up all these annotations, you can simply send yourself an email message that contains just the annotations, right? And so it'll contain the, the highlighted text and then it'll contain basically my comment about that highlighted text. And then I do a little bit of light text editing of that. And then basically, uh, you know, check for spelling and check for any other problems. There's some weird things that happen with <clears throat> with URLs because of my university's uh protection scheme that'll stop us from clicking on, you know, dangerous URLs. And so sometimes I'll need to reformat those. And then I just cut and paste and, and send that off. And so, and the, the problem with that, Ben, is that it does, most of my reviews now have a very clear style mm, that mm. would show up um, if somebody were to, let's say, receive feedback from a, to receive a review that I did. Yeah, yeah like let's say they had recently submitted an article to Food Protection Trends about something about um, uh, RFID and norovirus, they might recognize my review when it comes back.
1: <laughs> you're, right, you're still, I, I, maybe I've just doxxed you as a reviewer here. Uh, so, <laughs> but, so oh, yeah. but
0: so, to come back and try to answer, so I, I've, I've talked for a while, but let me answer a few of your specific questions. How long does it take? I would say it takes anywhere from an hour to two hours. Now I did have, a really challenging one. Uh, oh another journal I review for is the journal risk analysis and so Chuck Haas often asked me to review um, microbial risk assessment papers um, for risk analysis and I had one that was kind of a mess um, and uh, it's really hard to review risk model papers because there's a typically a model that underlies it but you can't actually see the model all you can see is the representation of the model in a table and so trying to follow a lot of complicated math, where all you see is like just like like you, you don't actually get the spreadsheet, you don't actually get the computer program, right? You just get something that is the like it would be like trying to debug a computer program where all you had was a printout, right? Right, I mean, right. It's really, it's really hard to do, and so but I could tell there were some problems, and so that was, that one took a little bit longer because I eventually I ended up printing it out and then kind of making my notes on paper, which was the old way I used to do it. And then typing some of those notes back into I annotate. But, but so typically a review takes me anywhere from one to two hours. I typically do them slightly before and most usually after the due date. Um, I, for the longest time I, Oh, I never failed to submit a review or had a review canceled on me. I have since, since, you know, in recent memory, I have had some canceled on me or. It really bugs me when, when I get one canceled when I didn't even get a warning. So whenever I'm an editor, I always like to say to the reviewers, Hey, look, I have, I have enough information to make my decision and you're late. So I'm going to make a decision in a couple of days unless I hear from you. Right. Cause what I hate to do is I hate to burn somebody because they've spent a lot of time reviewing something and then, and then I cancel the request. So yep. I try to be very respectful and I, I, I would ask the editors be respectful of me as well. Um, and I'll, I'll almost always, if they really need it, you know, I'll, 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 I'll I'll do my best to to do it. And, and I try to do them in the order that they come in. So I, did I answer all of your questions?
1: Um, you, you did accept, and, and maybe uh, I will, I'm going to ask a follow-up, mm-hmm. um, because, um, what, t- tell me about mm. how your, um, As you critically look at the material, right? Like what, what do you, what are you looking for there? And I, I, as I had to like sort of translate this for Catherine, I, I thought about it and I have like, and I did a few of them and I'm like, Oh, this is what I do. Like, like, so anyway, do you, you know what I mean? Like what? yeah, Yeah. And
0: let me talk about this from my perspective as both an editor and as a reviewer. Um, one thing as an editor, I really, I really don't care if you disagree with the sentence structure, right? Like, it's my job when I edit papers from my students to fix the sentence structure. It's not your job as a reviewer to fix the sentence structure, right? Like, like please don't do that. You're not an author of the paper. Um, yes, that's a lousy way to write a sentence. We all agree, but let's let the copy editors clean that up. It's not worth your time or my time. What I'm looking for from the reviewers is a critique of the science. Now, sometimes um, the... The the English is unclear and if the English is unclear and you can't evaluate the science You need to tell me that but don't but but don't fix the English for me, right? Like that's not that's not necessary Um, and and it depends upon the quality of the paper, right? If it's a really good paper um, I'm gonna try really hard to give substantial comments to make that paper better if it's a really bad paper and I had this conversation with a colleague, um, via text message, you might've been on the chain, um, where I said, look, just do, just kill it quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like just come in and, you know, coup de grace style, cut the carotid artery of the paper. Okay. And kill it. And because I don't need you, if, 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 if this is a fundamentally flawed, um, I don't need you to fix the English. Right. And so just kill it quick. If it's, if it's unintelligible because the English is so poor quality, then just tell me that. Because I, if you can, if you cannot evaluate the science because you cannot tell what the authors are trying to say, that's grounds for rejection, right? Not not ultimately long term rejection. Maybe they can go find an editing service and they can bring it back. But but if you can't understand what they did, um, then um, you know then, then then tell me that. And then the the, the hard ones are where you say, look. This method is flawed or they used a single strain and they should have used a cocktail or they used a cocktail and they should have used a single strain. Like some of those are opinion, but I do I do want your opinion. But at the same time, as an editor, I have my own opinions and I, and I might and I might hold – I might have a different standard for a different journal, right? Like the, the criteria that I'm going to use for JFP might be different than the criteria I'm going to use for AEM um, because those are different journals trying to do different things mm-hmm. and reaching different audiences. And then the same thing for, for uh, comprehensive reviews, right? Because it's a review. And, and so and, – and, and one thing that is very helpful – that I wish more reviewers did was there is typically on for many of these, there's a the comments to the author where you should be cl- critical and polite. And then there's the comment to the editor where you can be, uh, an effing a hole, right. And, and just say that this really sucks. And this is really bad. Or here are the real critical things that I think were wrong with this. Like, tell me your honest opinion, right. Or tell me like, look, I was on the fence on this. my, my I said reject, but you know what? It might be savable. So, if you get some other positive reviews, I could live with revise and resubmit or no matter what, this is a fundamental flaw. I don't care what the other reviewers say. I think this is terrible and it, this is unpublishable because of this flaw. Unl- maybe unless the authors go and run some controls or, or you know, prove me wrong. Right. And so. Right. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's that's. That's my, and maybe that that was more what you were asking. No, it was both style of these.
1: stuff. Both. I wanted both. Yeah. I wanted exactly okay. both of these because I, I think that I I we we individually develop our own styles on mm-hmm. on how to do this. And, and there's we, not and there's not a
0: class in this right. No. Like
1: I I, I will
0: to, again, and I'll I'll shut up for in a minute here, but I as an editor I have assigned manuscripts to my students to, 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 to serve as reviewers, always with more senior people also reviewing. Right. Um, But I want them to get that experience. And then also as a reviewer, I've often said to a student, let's share this review responsibility. You do the first pass. I'll do the second pass. We'll combine it. I'll send a note to the editor saying that you helped me with this. Right. Um, But ultimately that I'm, I'm the reviewer, so I'm responsible. I mean, that's a little, it's a little bit bending the rules because you're not supposed to share it, but I figure if I'm sharing it within my lab and, and I'm sort of supervising the student. That's okay. But they, but, but students, especially students that are going to have a career in science, either as an academic or government researcher, or even an industry, you know, publishing industry scientist, um, they need that experience. Right. And so, uh, and, 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 get, and the only, the only way you get experience is to do it. Right. And so, so you, you have to, and then, and then the other thing too, that's very helpful. And I, this is another, this is again, the last thing I, I'm going to say for a little bit, I promise, um, is it's always, I, I always like as a reviewer, to, there's typically an option that you can check to say, I want to see the decision letter from the editor and I want to see all the reviews, right? And so that lets me calibrate as a reviewer. I'm reviewer number two. I want to see what reviewer number one and number three said so that I can calibrate my response to see if I miss something, to see if I'm being too harsh or too too lenient. Um, and that's also really good. And that's especially good for students that do reviews, right? Because they can calibrate their own expertise and some students many students honestly need to be more critical and then then there's my students who are like they're (laughs) i've sent a couple times now i've sent stuff out to my students and to more seasoned people and my students just rip the paper apart and i can tell you as an advisor nothing makes me more proud (laughs) than when my (laughs) students are more critical of the work than a a more senior person who's active in the field because that shows that i'm training them right i'm training them with that critical eye right
1: right 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 so no, you I mean you hit on all the stuff that, that I wanted to to talk about. One thing that I hadn't thought about just what you shared at the end there of that calibration of looking at other reviews. I, I always look at those other reviews. Like I would and that's been a I would say a relatively recent development of online review systems that maybe in the last six or seven years, you get all here are what all the reviews say. Um, as a reviewer before, and this is the decision that the editor made. I, I, like, I don't think, I don't think that's always been there or it's always been accessible. It might've been in the online system, but it didn't generate an email to me, which I really, which I really like, but I hadn't, as I was talking to Catherine, I hadn't thought about that of, you know, here, here's where you line up against the other two or three folks that, uh, that have done this. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so what I, you you know, I, I think you and I are, are pretty pretty close uh, on on our approach here. I I think um, I also use I use Notability um, mm-hmm. to to cut up um, like you know, but but I, I don't use I annotate, um, but I'm mainly because I do it with my first cut with any paper is with the Apple Pencil, and and I'm like writing you know writing stuff on it. Then I go and I open up drafts and I sort of like, I'm circling a lot of lines, you know, like I might write, read that paper, once to be like line one twenty six, and then three words. And then I go back and, and try to formulate, you know, the specifics, um, on that. I, I split my reviews into two kind of, um, uh, things. I've got sort of an overall assessment, like here are the mm-hmm. four or five or one big problem that I have here. Right. And I try to explain more about that, whether it's a methodological situation, whether the introduction is too too long or not long enough it's not clear what the foundation for the for the uh, article was whatever that is i like to write a narrative a, a little bit on that maybe two or three um small short paragraphs and then i go line by line right like my my second half is and here are specific things you know line 126 is missing this and it's not i i really uh, agree with you i i'm almost uh, I can't think of a situation where I'm talking about sentence structure, but it might be these three lines, you explain something or, you, or you're, you're saying something that needs a citation. You're, right, you, right. Uh, that, that kind of, you know, kind of approach. Um, yep. I, I try to limit my reviews to an hour. Like that's my goal, Mm -hmm. and and I, but that's relatively recent. Like I, Mm -hmm. I would say over the last two or three years, I have started thinking about that, and it's Mm -hmm. made having four or five reviews at a time less overwhelming, right? Right. Because four or five reviews at a time with no time limit could be fifteen hours, and I don't want to like. Now, where am I going to start? Right. Like I don't have right. Yeah. So so being able to say, all right, I got one. I'm going to spend one hour on this, and let me let me set a timer um, Mm -hmm. for that. Um, and then also like think about it in my, in my, my, um, in my schedule, I know that if I, if I do this, like if I can, if I, if I dedicate an hour, then I will be complete this task, right? Like regardless, you know, 90% of the time, sometimes, and right. I, I want to come back to something you said earlier about, um, you know, kill it quick versus investing time. Certainly if it's a better paper, I'm going to spend more time on the review. Like, like, and that seem. when I talk to Catherine about that, I think that seems very counterintuitive for someone who's not done this. Like if it is close, if I think that this, this review, this paper is, is, is good and, and just needs a few extra things, I'm going to spend more time on the details on what I think those things are because I, it now becomes a paper that I really want in the literature like I want, right, right. so it's it's funny. Like I that piece is really like, it's it's the opposite. The better the paper, the more time I spend on it.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, well, and 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 so a couple couple of things related to that. Um. Well, so and first, let me say a huge plus one for Notability for me. I use Notability all the time w- with manuscripts, but it's manuscripts where I'm a co-author, and mm-hmm. typically I'll use it where. So when it, at some point you get into to a manuscript where you're doing line edits, right? And so if the student does a good job, I'm doing line edits from the beginning. If it's really kind of a mess, then, or if it's a paper from a colleague that I'm helping out or something, I'm just going to mark it up with my pencil, Apple Pencil on Notability because it's super easy, right? It's just an easy way to, to mark it up and say, hey, look, um, this, I don't know what you're saying here. This, this paragraph doesn't belong here. Um, you know, you have to, your references, you're, you're failing the case of beer, uh, reference (laughs) tests, you know, um, those are all, those are all things that need to be taken care of. And then the the second point that I was going to make, I don't remember what it was, but it was, but it was something, something about, um, something about reviewing papers. Um, but it's gone.
1: So maybe it'll it'll come back. So my, my other approach, and I guess I I read, I, I put very little emphasis on the abstract. I almost like I read the abstract, but I'm not reviewing the abstract, the abstracts, the abstract, right? Like, and, and I know that sounds like, like that, the without context, that doesn't really mean anything. But that, that to me is a sentence structure issue, right? Like if, if you're not telling a good, if you're not doing a good job telling the story of what your paper is in the abstract, I'm probably not going to review it. I'm here to see, was the approach correct? Was the, were the methods correct? And would is it something that I would do? Like I actually think about it in that in that way. Like if I was approaching this question, would I use these methods in the way that 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 um you know that they have? And and I may not like it, it's not a you know I want to I want to build on something that you said where it's it's not really my my role to say you did this wrong. I'm I'm often thinking about it from, would I approach it this way? And if they've done it in a different way, I have an open mind of like, Oh, that's, that's great. Or I wouldn't have done it that way, but that's also valid, right? Like that, you know, those, Mm -hmm. those two things come in, come into my mind. But my, my initial start here is how would I have approached this, this question? Um, I, I, I jump like, I don't read papers that I'm reviewing linearly. Um, I go into methods first, I look at results second, and that that's where the, if, if I'm thinking about the dedication of my hour, um, that's where the majority of my time is. Cause I, cause again, I think going back to what, something that you said, my role as a reviewer is to, is to focus on, on the science. I'm going to make an assumption that the justification to do this work and why they chose the methods is in that that introduction and I'm going to go back and look at that at the end and I'm going to look at the conclusions typically. And this is, I think this is something that I've talked to with, with almost all of my grad students about. And, um, and really in, in the most case, when I'm looking at papers, typically conclusions or discussion are, are not well done. Like they're, they're not, they're either overstated or understated, right? The the meat of the paper is in, in the results. I'm going to spend more time in, in the results and, and methodology than than I am in, in the other parts, knowing that it's probably not going to meet what I'm expecting anyway in, those, in that conclusion and, and discussion. So I'm, I'm certainly after I get a sense of what's happening, I'm going to go and, and look at that. But I, I go I read like methods, results. Did they do analysis correctly? I look at the tables. I go back to the introduction and then I go to conclusion which it sounds bizarre, but that's that has like and I've ne- no one like taught me to do it that way. I, I, I think I write papers that way. Mm. So that's the way that I read papers that I'm reviewing.
0: Right uh, and and that, and that that is often advice that I will give to graduate students, right? You don't start writing the paper necessarily with the title, even though that's the first thing. And you don't write the abstract first. You write the abstract at the end. What you, the, order, the order for writing that I tell graduate students is first write the methods because that should be very clear and unambiguous. Just tell me what you did, right? If you, if you can't write the methods, then we're going to have a lot of trouble with the rest of this paper, right? And then I say then make all the tables and make all the figures, okay, and then put them in the order that you want to talk about them. Right. And then let's you and I sit down and make sure this is the right order. Right. So figure one, table two, figure one, table one, table two, table three, figure two, et cetera. Right. And then and then once you get that order, then you start writing the results. Right. Um, And and in my reviewing, um, I do spend a fair bit of time on the abstract because for many people, all they're going to read is the abstract and the title. Right. And so I want to make sure that that abstract is it actually matches the rest of the paper now It might make sense to read the abstract at the end and certainly when I'm when I'm writing a paper with a student I often will just skip the abstract. I'll make a note to myself You know highlight it and say read this at the end and, and then and then read the paper Fix the paper and then kind of pull sentences from the rest of the paper to kind of make the make the abstract be the right abstract um Another, another, but, it, but it's, so I, I review papers linearly. I don't write them linear, linearly, linearly, yeah. but I review them linearly, but I appreciate that, that you don't do that. I think that's, that's kind of an interesting one. And the other one, which I kind of got from the time that I spent at AEM is people are generally bad at writing titles, right? Mm. Like uh, titles, in my opinion, and I'm trying to get better at this in my own work as well. The title should actively engage the reader in what you found not what you did right but what did you what is the critical and and usually if the title is bad there's usually a sentence in the abstract or in the highlights that's kind of the money shot like Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is why you did this work right and so instead of saying what you did you say why you did or what you found um interestingly aem also has gone to publishing the methods at the end which is also the style for for fancy journals like science and nature I think the methods are at the end and typically they're in a smaller font I guess the idea being that the methods are are less important than the findings um, but but I but I, I'm not really sure why that is but and that's something that's also really, frustrated authors aem authors like well why why the method no the methods shouldn't be at the end that's not where they belong right um and then a couple of other comments um i think people are generally people meaning students are generally bad at writing the discussion because they don't understand the difference between the results and the discussion and so what i often encourage students to do is write the results and discussion separately right the results you tell me what you found the discussion is where you tell me why it matters or how it relates to what other people have done, right? And so the results shouldn't have too many references, right? Um, But the discussion should be full of references where you compare what you found to what other people have found when they did similar things, right? And then the other thing, which is a little bit of a pet peeve, often people uh, will – Repeat their methods in the results. Yeah, yep. it's like no don't do that because that's what there is the methods is for right
1: We already just, have that you can, section. You, could,
0: you, could, you yeah, you <laughs> could you can just talk you can just start talking about the results because guess what? If I want to know what the methods were there's a whole section of the paper that tells me what the methods were right
1: Yep. and and it's and yeah, and it's all it's all there for me to to like flip back and forth and reference uh, mm-hmm. As I as I read it Yeah, I um. So, no, this is, this is really, this is really cool. Like I, like I said, I, we, I don't, we haven't really had this, this conversation, but as I was like trying to think of a way to explain my, my approach and then work through it, it was, and, and again, I, I, in talking with Catherine about this, I'm like, you know, I, I'm, those are the things that I do. This is, it doesn't mean this is the way that you're supposed to like review. Like there's like, like you said, Don, there's no, there's no like training course on how to do this that, that any of us have have taken. And talk to other people who do reviews to see exactly what they do and then build your own style and system around it. I've never had an editor, and this may maybe because like it's it's a network of volunteers who are doing this, but I've never had an editor come back and be like, that was kind of a terrible review. Not not like that was a bad review from a a content. Like you clearly didn't like the paper, but but the what you gave me back had no substance. Right. So so I there's no there's not a lot of feedback within the system, which which I think is something that that would be helpful. Like if you were an editor and you knew that the person that you'd asked, and you are an editor, so let me let me mm-hmm. pose this to you, um, and, and the person that you had asked was was relatively new to reviewing. Do you ever go back and be like? You know, I, I could use a little more info on this. Like, is there is there ever a back and forth or, you know, you've got three streams or four streams of information coming in? It, you know, your your job is is not maybe to cultivate those reviewers, but is to take and synthesize those reviews and make a decision. So, like, do you know what you know what I'm asking? Like, Yeah,
0: I know, yeah. I know exactly what you're asking. And no, I never do that. But what many of the platforms now allow um, much like Uber, um, what many of the platforms now allow is for the editor to rate the reviewer. Whoa. Right. Do the reviewers and know? Do no, I have a rating? No, you, you might. Oh, snap. <laughs> this is, okay. Um, and so, and there's different systems, right? Um, the, the, the one for Food Micro, it's a one to 100 scale although I typically will only rate in, you know, five point increments. So 60, 65, 70, 75, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, A lot of people get (laughs) 85s, you know, um, and um, and then the IFT journal, it's basically there's three points um, and and there is a numerical score, but but the, the numerical score corresponds to this was an outstanding review. This was an adequate review. And this was a terrible
1: review. <laughs> I had no idea. This yeah. is, this, this should be, I want like, just like with my Uber rating, <laughs> wanna I want to know. know. And now th- this is, I, and so the, there is a benefit of reviewers knowing that they're being rated. Right, like, like if I if I wanted to be a better reviewer, if I knew that that last review got my my star stars from f- you know four point six five to four point seven two, oh, okay, that's the kind of review I should be doing then.
0: Right. Oh, right. Man. Well, and and yeah, and I think there's an expectation that people kind of know. And then the other thing that I will say, and this is a huge um, game changer, and I probably should not be revealing this. Oh, but I'm
1: I'm excited two, now.
0: Two really important things I need to know is how many reviews do you currently have from my journal, right? Because I'm, I'm never going to know how many you have from other journals, right? But I can I can tell how many you have from my journal, right? And I, I'm reluctant to give more if you have one, right? Um, if you're an editorial board member and there's an easy way to see that within the interface, um, I might give you a second one, right? And then the other critical thing to know is, how many have you done for us lately? Yep. And you know what, Ben? It's a it's a kind of a trite expression. If you want something done, you ask a busy person because yep. they're good at getting stuff done. And so I will often look and see how many reviews you've done for us, and if you've done a bunch and you don't have currently on don't currently have any on your plate. Guess what? You're a good candidate.
1: You're getting some.
0: To yeah. Do another one, which which is. Which is kind of like punishing the good, right? And you're rewarding the guilty. You're you're rewarding the people that that never respond or never do reviews. But you know, I I can't really be concerned with that because my job as an editor is to get good science reviewed quickly and published, right? Yeah. And to keep the bad stuff out. And 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 again, you know, I mean, and there are people out, I mean, there are people out there um, whose names I could tell you who are softies, right? Yeah. And there are people out there whose names I could tell you that are hard asses. And then there are people out there that will – that just are a pain in the ass to get them to actually do the review. But if they do it, they'll do a
1: great job. That might so, be me. I think I'm in the third, I'm, I'm uh, in the third well, category.
0: I know of one example where you were in that category, but I don't, but I, but you're not somebody I formed an opinion about. <laughs> good, good.
1: Excellent. You're not, we should you're keep not it that, that way. Names. The <laughs> yeah. other
0: names are people that you would know. Um, and you know, and it's, you know, and there are, and there are actually, you know, there are some people out there, very famous people published way more papers than I ever would have published and it turns out they're incredible softies when it comes to reviewing people's papers and that and that was kind of an eye opener for me but then I thought about it and I said you know what this is somebody who's published a lot of papers and he's kind of he I'm already narrowing it down um, he's kind of somebody who's like uh it's more a laissez faire it's like well you know publish them all and let god sort them out
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah right right what right. well, so okay, that this last part, and I, you know, I think well, we can move on to, to something else. Um, but this last part was one of the other conversations I had with Catherine, which is, and and I take this from something that you that, that you said, and I'll I'll paraphrase it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look at papers. I do go into this with a view that there is a place for every piece of work mm-hmm. and, and and it may not be this journal, but I, I want, I'm, I'm positive. I'm not, I'm probably rejecting more papers now than I did earlier in my career, but. I'm rejecting them with a thought of here's where it probably should go. Like, it's not that this doesn't contribute to the literature and that's the question, right? Like, right. right. Is, does this, should this be there so others can build off of it for, for better or for worse? Um, and the, as Catherine and I talked about this yesterday, um, one of the papers that that um, that we were going through together was and I won't uh, you know I'll, I'll, I'll protect the, the the review the reviews and do all this stuff so it was from a a country that wasn't the US and it was related to um, a, a food service system in that in that country mm-hmm. and um, and we, we had a discussion about like, how useful is this mm-hmm. information for us? And I was like, no, 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 that's the wrong lens to think about. It's not whether this paper needs to be published because we might use it. It's should this p- paper be published? Cause anybody should use it. Right. right. Like, just cause right. it's my lens. Like, I don't, I'm not looking at this paper. Like, oh, I'm going to reference this paper. Sometimes I very much am, but, but that's not a decision point for me on should it be rejected or not? It's not. Would I like, and and I know, like, I, I think that seems really obvious, but I think it was, a, it, it was an important conversation for us to have like, no, 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 let's, let's think who would use this information. So that, and if it's, if we, if we can think of anybody that might need this to build a program in a different country that might look similar, or, you know, we, we, th- there was a notable, what I thought was a notable, um, Aspect of this paper about handwashing compliance that I hadn't seen before and not to like give too much away, but it was One of the reasons why there wasn't a lot of compliance in handwashing in this study was because people didn't use soap And that's different from what i've seen in other papers, which is time or drying, right? And and this was a there's an observation aspect of this and I was like, man That's interesting to me. That's different from what i've seen in in the literature, in observations, that should go, we need to know about this, that that we have a a, a different, um, you know, there, there might be lots of different reasons why this is the case, but that's unique. That's a piece that, that deserves to be in the literature, because it's not something that I've seen before.
0: Well, and, you know, and it might be a couple of guys doing a podcast about whether something is risky or not that need to know about beeswax wraps. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and there were a couple of papers that we found um, in, you know, let's say marginal literature, but I was glad that we found them yes. because we that enabled us to have an, a more informed discussion about whether beeswax wraps, see episode 142, risky or not was was about, right? And right. so and but the problem is like figuring out like there's a home for everything, but where is that home, yes. right? And then and what role do well, predatory journals sh- shouldn't have a place in it. But what about, like, quasi-predatory journals, right? I mean, you know, there are some that were once on Beal's list that, you know, complained and probably the reason why uh, Professor Beal or Librarian Beal doesn't have a job anymore. I feel bad about that. But, you know, there's there's probably, I mean, again, coming back to this laissez-faire approach, like, I would love for everything to be published, right? Even if it's crap. Because that's at least data. The problem is where it's published in a good journal and people think it's important and it's actually critically flawed. Like right. I would I kind of want the critically flawed stuff to be published in a place where people can say it's critically flawed. You know, and this is why MedArchive and Bioarchive and others, I think, have a purpose because I, I do want that stuff to be out there the problem is like assigning a priority or a value or a quote unquote correctness to it. That's where, where it gets messy. But, but I'm definitely biased, you know, just much, much like we're, we're both, both you and I want a raw milk, hamsterdam. Uh, we probably also want a, like a peer reviewed hamsterdam too, right?
1: We do. We want peer reviewed hamsterdam. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, thanks for indulging me in this, mm-hmm. in this question. It's, um, I, you know, I, I, I never, I never really thought exactly what my approach was until I was like, "Oh, if I'm gonna try and teach somebody what my approach is, let me let me actually think about it. Let me like note beside what I'm doing in in, mm-hmm. in this, and and like I said, whether it's correct or not." It's just what I, that's just my approach. And I'm open for all, like maybe I would change my approach.
0: Yeah, well um, and I will say too that there is advice out there. So while, while you were chatting, there's an article uh, that was published in Science um, from Elizabeth Payne from 2016, How to Review a Paper. Uh, there's a Wiley page, a Step-by-Step Guide to Reviewing a Manuscript. And then there's also something from uh, Nature, uh, from uh, from 2018, from Matthew Stiller Reeve, how to write a thorough peer review. So, so at least there's some. And I, I have not read these. I've, this is this is just you know because of Google, I can Google stuff and and find papers, uh, find pages. But but I haven't read them. I don't vouch for them. But at least that it would be worth. I think if you if one were going to begin to coach graduate students on this, you probably could say, hey, you probably maybe read this thing from Science and Nature. And from Wiley, you know,
1: I like it. Yeah. We'll link to those. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm scanning through these now. Um, and it sounds like we have some common, common things, but then, uh, the first thing in the science one is, um, uh, see if it's well written. <laughs> so,
0: well, uh, yeah, yeah, I can tell that from the, you know, yeah. here's the thing. I, I wrote a review the other day where I said, I'm reading the first sentence of the abstract and I found two grammatical errors <laughs> I will not be identifying further grammatical errors but I unless the meaning of the sentence is unclear. But please note this manuscript will require careful review for proper English usage. And I do want to give a shout out to you and Todd, our uh, sandal and sock-wearing friend, you and Todd, who, who wrote a very passionate um, uh, m- email that, that got circulated around saying um, we should stop using the phrase um, – Ah, uh, Native English speaker, because yeah. there are many people who are not native English speakers who can write very good English. And so I, I thanks to you and for that, I and mean, we might have mentioned this before in the podcast, but I have struck that phrase from my reviews. I no longer request that it be reviewed by a native English speaker because some of us are crap, um, but it should be properly reviewed for correct English usage.
1: Right, right. I, yes, I think that's a really a really key point. Um, so, yeah, thanks. Uh thanks for, for you know letting me let me letting me sound that out Wow. Yeah, there. no, thank you. This was this was fun. I was I was not expecting to go here today, but yeah. I was ready for it. All right. So a couple other I got some quick hitters here. Okay. Um we we had a Food Covey Net webinar this week um that is posted at foodcovey.net. And it was on environmental uh, sampling considerations for SARS CoV 2 in food settings. And I'm going to like, you know, I, so, I'm, sometimes I'm overly critical of things that I do. Um, and this was just mm-hmm. organizing one. This was an awesome webinar. Uh, was really good. Yeah. So, so we had two, two speakers, um, Mansour, uh, Semadipour from IEH laboratories and John Donaghy from Nestle. And, um, each of them, uh, you know, prepared some, some slides and talked through, uh, some stuff, but then, uh, answered a bunch of questions for like 45 minutes and, I, it was it was great. It hit on all the things that we wanted. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, if it, it's an area that um, we uh, we we continue to get questions about through through our project, uh, but it, but they they both gave a really good sort of jumping off point for folks who may be getting pressure from either buyers or from. Uh, Uh, countries that they're exporting food to about what what to do in and where where what the role is and and ultimately there's not a food safety role and maybe there's a role in understanding um, whether there are asymptomatic um, carriers of SARS-CoV-2 in a food setting but also we have um actual like testing uh PCR testing with the people that would tell that as well. And so I you know I thought it was I thought it was really, really good. What do you what what about what about you?
0: Yeah, same, same. Um, I will say we'll link to the webinar series page. Uh the the environmental sampling one is listed as upcoming. Yeah. Um uh, but but I'm sure that'll be updated soon. It will. And 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 they're all posted on on YouTube, which is which is which is great because uh, because it does take a lot of uh, space to post these videos, as I, as I discovered when I tried to post one uh, to our Squarespace site for the New Jersey Association for Food Protection. Uh, we're not going to be able to do that, but we can we can link to a YouTube. So no, I thought it was really good. And one of the things that you did not share just now, but that I will share because you're you're much too polite, is you worked really hard with both of these presenters to make sure that they understood what we wanted them to. To talk about and then they did a really good job of talking about that um i think i think um john was a little bit more energetic than mansoor but they in the q a session they both came alive right and here were two people that nominally had different viewpoints but we also found like where we all agreed which i think was was fantastic and i'm not sure that we necessarily knew that that would happen going yeah. in, but, but I want to give you and your team, but mostly you a giant shout out to say like good webinars like this did, it didn't happen by accident, right? Like you worked really hard, I think with conversations with both of them to really hone what it is you wanted them to talk about. And so I think it really shows cause it was, it was a great, it was a great webinar.
1: Oh, well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And it, it is, um, over the course of the last 18 months as, as we are, Um, you know, I'll make the most obvious statement of the podcast, like as we continue to be like operating in a virtual setting and we're not all getting together in in rooms. And and certainly that probably will start to change over the next few months, but it's a different style of presentation. It's a different, um, I, I really enjoy the, the engagement side of things. I I don't really want to watch, you know, a 45 minute talk. Uh, on, on zoom, but I do want people to answer questions and yes. so, and that's been like, you know, that, that's been really great as it relates to, to the, the webinar series that, that we have and that we're building, um, we actually just have a draft of a, of a fact sheet that came out of that, that I've, I've got to review today and, and hopefully we'll get that up, um, in the next couple of days, uh, just about like, here's what people, uh, here's what the speakers talked about and here are things that you should keep in mind if you're asked to do this. Uh, so yeah. Um couple other things. One, I've been, um, I, I just want to give a shout out to a, a friend of ours and the friend of the shows. Um, I, I, um, and where, yeah, there is the last thing I put in the, in the Dropbox was a really great paper on kombucha that was in food protection mm-hmm. trends that, um, uh, it's Tori Murphy, Kavita Willia, Wal- and Jeff Farber. And so the friend of ours is Jeff Farber. Um, but uh, a, just a fantastic review of kombucha safety. The reason why I'm talking about kombucha safety is I've had a bunch of questions from uh, a few classes that happen in North Carolina that are on fermentation. And people really wanted to know about like what do we know about the safety of kombucha and and this paper has a just a phenomenal table that i have now used to construct my answer i'm um, going through all of you know up until 2018 any illnesses food safety issues that have been uh, associated with it and then a second table of here are the science-based recommendations on how to make kombucha safely and so i i just really um I spent a bunch of time on this over the last uh, couple of days and I, I wanted to give a, a shout out that this is just a great, it's just a great resource. Uh, so if you're interested in, in kombucha, we'll link to this in, in show notes, but it's a fantastic paper in food protection trends, which I did not review. Um, you know, I, I will say that, uh, um, but, but it's really, it's really cool. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to to talk about or highlight before we jump into feedback and open things up to you and we can talk about whatever um, one is I don't know if you can hear in the background but it is band, it's gas day right and my son <laughs> is in the band and they are practicing so there's a bass guitar that is being played right now so well, nice yeah a little a bedding track for the podcast I'm,
0: I'm 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 because it's gas day and because there's music going on I'm imagining that guy from um, Mad Max: Thunder Road.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is pretty much what's happening here right now. Uh, so um, the the last thing I wanted to to talk about is I gave a talk that was recorded last week, uh, but but went live this week at the Food Safety Summit on plant based foods and food safety that caused me to do two things. One, do a bunch of digging into risk and literature and regulatory aspects of, of those foods. So this is like, and we, we did a little precursor of this at the conference for food protection education program. You, you touched on this, um, a a little bit, but I I did a, a, I think it was like a 30 minute, 25 minute talk on, things like almond milk uh fermented uh soy uh, products and plant-based burgers uh and uh so so anyway the well, i'll I'll see if I can find a link to the food safety summit um talk I don't know if it's if it's available for people to to see but the second output is I started putting together um, uh, a review paper uh, on this. Cause there isn't much out there. The more you look at what are the food safety concerns with plant-based products and what are things that someone who might be making these need to think about and where are the regulatory gaps, the more it became obvious that no one has written that. So I started working on a paper uh, on that with uh, John Lachansky and Anna Portofet. Um, thank you. And uh, so, so I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't write very, very quickly, but it is something that I, uh, I did put on the list, uh, for writing buddies that I'd made a little bit of progress in this, in this area, but it's, it, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this on, uh, uh in the last podcast, but you know, something like almond milk is really fascinating to me because it, it, it slips through the crack. Uh, the other thing is a plant-based burger, John and Anna, we'll, will link to a couple of their papers they published in, uh, um, journal of food protection, um, there are some like if you treat a plant-based burger. Now I'm not talking like a veggie burger, but like an Impossible burger or Beyond Meat burger. If you treat it like beef, it you um you know, what what they were able to show was that will lead to you know a, a greater than a five log reduction of pathogens if they were introduced there. The problem is the food code doesn't make people do that. It, in fact, if it's a plant-based um, burger, all they're required to do is cook it to 135. And John and Anne are like, ah, depending on the makeup of this burger, that might actually not be enough. And so it's a, a situation where the the regulation hasn't really caught up um, out there. So anyway, uh, I feel like I should do like a, a jazz talk here with the with the bass in the background. Yeah, the bass is really coming through. It is. It is. And I I apologize, uh, but it's gas day. <laughs> So anyway, that's, that, those are the things that I, I had on my list to talk about, um, today, but, uh, but what, yeah, what else, what else should we, what else should we wrap about, Don? Well, we've got, we've
0: got a bunch of stuff. Let me, uh, let me, let me talk about, um, uh, this one about uh, R squared and Buttergate. So yes. now you, you asked this individual uh, if we could uh, share on the podcast. I don't know if they responded. They did. So
1: we'll keep, oh, they, they did. Okay. They did. And they said so. we would love, I would, that would be great. And in fact tweeted at us or tweeted, not at us, tweeted to someone else saying, I love it when one of my favorite podcasts <laughs> responds and then says, that's a really great point. Can we talk about it on the podcast? So, yeah, it's it's out there. We can talk about it for sure.
0: Cool. So this is from listener Eric who says, um, in your recent discussions of the University of Guelph Buttergate Research, I think you just missed the chance to hit it out of the park. Ooh, ouch. Ouch. Um, I think the butter results are an excellent illustration of the very common situation where the p value doesn't matter and the r squared doesn't matter what matters is the effect size. So let me let me say I dis- so I appreciate Eric's feedback. I disagree, but we'll get to that. Um Uh, but I, but certainly I think it's, it's worth talking about the effect size. Um, so, uh, he, sorry, that was my side back to Eric. Um, for instance, what's the change in firmness due to say a two standard deviation variation in palmitic acid content relative to the range of inter brand or intra brand variability. This is on the university of Guelph, not you. Okay. Well, that's good. I feel a little bit better. Um, but I'd also like to have seen how this variation compares to variation due to, say, a one or two or five degrees Celsius change in butter temperature. And for the effect size observed due to palmitic acid, how consistently can a butter user tell the difference? Because we don't want s- someone yelling Buttergate because they forgot to set the thermostat a little lower this winter... Or because their local supermarket changed suppliers for store brand butter, um, I refrigerate my butter. It's always hard, no skin off my teeth. I'm I'm not sure. I think that's, is that is that no, the skin on? That's yeah, not, yeah. It's I think <laughs> there's something not quite right. I think that. He, um, I
1: think he means by the
0: skin of his back. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and but what that did was it actually encouraged me to go and and do a little bit of research on effect size. And so part of my reason for talking about this is I very much want to link uh, to this article called um, It's the Effect Size Stupid, what effect size is and why it's important uh, by Robert Coe, School of Education, University of Durham, um, which is in uh, the UK. And so... if, if nothing else, if you're interested in this, read the effect size, take a look specifically at uh, figure one, um, and what you can see is two, uh, two, two um, uh, graphs of two distributions that overlap to that have basically this where the means are different by the same amount but the standard deviations are 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 bigger and so it really is uh, it really is very interesting to to look at the effects there and you can kind of you could kind of go back to the original Guelph article not article but the the the, the graph and you could begin to figure out like to answer listener Eric's or, or address listener Eric's comment. Now you'd have to probably, um, r- you know, re- re-digitize that figure, but um, you know, with from from Guelph to be able to get the answer to the question. But it's but it's certainly worth uh, it's certainly worth um, thinking about.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and and I. Um, this is one of those ones where I, I, I always appreciate, or we, I mean, we always appreciate getting good feedback from, um, from a listener to say, Hey, you made me think about something else and here, here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking to, to sort of add to the, to the conversation. So I, yeah, so I appreciate, I appreciate this. Um, cool. I'm uh, I'm battling my microphone mute button and oh my and, that's okay yeah and uh, and in the in the base so so we'll uh, it's okay yeah. I mean
0: if, you know people people tune in um, for the base and for the dog <laughs> they, noise it's yeah. fine if
1: if you don't like it you can, if if you
0: here's the thing if you don't like it this is not for you that's right Sla- um,
1: slapping the bass. <laughs> that's, that's, that's show, show title right there um, uh-huh.
0: all right so uh, well, let's do let's do some insect, uh, feedback. Uh, so, uh, greetings. Uh, I saw this story and I thought of you too after your recent discussions about insect as food. Um, sounds like there's a buffet coming and maybe to your area. And, and, the, and the link is to an article entitled trillions of brood X cicadas move closer to emergence as soil temperatures rise. So, um, you know, insects as food uh, coming uh, cicada emergence, um, m- maybe that's a win-win.
1: Right, right. It's <laughs> here we here we are, and um, I, I think friend of the show, a friend of ours, uh, Chana Rock also tweeted at us uh, some uh, scorpion uh, lollipops, uh, which which was which was pretty cool. So yes, there there's lots of folks that are eating. Um, a, a, a edible edible insects and uh, maybe more as the uh, cicadas arrive have you have you seen uh, I, I saw a friend uh what you know what deep deep fed i think uh front of the show posted a picture of uh, of, of a cicada emerging um in in his location have you you got any of the cicadas up there have you seen anything <laughs> No cicadas
0: this year at the new property. Uh, a lot of cicadas. I would see cicadas on a regular basis, or as they say, on the reg, at the old house. Um, I, they, I would see them like a lot, like like probably well a lot. I mean, I would see, I would see a dozen every year over the course of the year. So so certainly not uh, not unusual. And that was not even a uh, not even a a cicada year.
1: Nice, nice. Um
0: so a so little, little bit of additional feedback. This comes from uh, 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 Twitter follower William. He says, I was listening to your beeswax, app, uh, wax, beeswax wraps. Wow, that's a weird one to say. I was listening to your beeswax wraps episode um, while hiking, and I realized that I don't have a great sense of if just a cotton wrap around a food is risky or not. I mean, wraps, bindles, fukushiri have existed for millennia. But my sense is they protect the food from spillage and foreign contamination. And I would I would agree with William. And I think that that so the, is it risky? I would say no. Uh, but it probably depends upon the on context, like what kind of food you're carrying and what it might be next to. Uh, but I'm assuming that you're not carrying raw steak in your bindle or. If you're in a, uh, as they say, a pack it out um, uh, camping location, you are not storing your human feces next to your food where they're both wrapped in cloth.
1: Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Thanks. It just occurred to me. Thanks, you know. Don. Yeah. yeah. Well. But, yeah. So, but I uh, can pack it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's a uh, jump around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 agree with you, um, you know, on, on this one as a, you know, a special bonus episode of risky or not here. Uh, I, you know, I think the, the issue is, is that we, you can't look at a cotton wrap as a, um, impermeable barrier, right? right So, yeah. You know, and if it's, and if it's going to pick up pathogens, whatever you put in there, it's going to, you know, if you, if you're, as long as you're, uh, cleaning and laundering them, then, then I, I can't see that it's, it's risky, um, riskier, this is the podcast we can talk about riskier or not uh i don't think it's any riskier or less risky than the um the, than the beeswax wraps hey so let's
0: let's do a uh, bill marler one two Ooh, okay okay, so okay first one i saw this this morning um and i entitled i entitled the the document marler speculation dear strawberries but basically Uh, The title of his blog post is, I know it's speculation, but the most recent Washington E. coli outbreak sure sounds familiar. And he links to um, an article, the abstract of an article uh, entitled E. coli and 157 H7 infections associated with consumption of locally grown strawberries contaminated by deer. And this is basically uh, an uh, an outbreak from uh, the summer of 2011. Fifteen cases, six hospitalized. Um, Basically, the conclusion is the identification identified fresh strawberries as a novel vehicle for E. coli 157 H7 infection, implicated deer feces as the source of contamination and highlights problems concerning produce contaminated by wildlife and regulatory exemptions for locally grown produce. A comprehensive hypothesis generating questionnaire enabled rapid identification of the implicated product. Good agricultural practices are key barriers to wildlife, fecal contamination of produce. How um, – I, I, I completely missed this or have, have dropped it from my memory about this strawberry deer outbreak from 2011. Is this, does this ring any bells?
1: Oh, yeah, huge. So, um I love this, well, I don't love this outbreak, but I love this paper. So, um just uh, a couple of uh, co-authors on this, uh, Mansur uh, Samadapur and um the the late great Bill Keene, mm. um who did the uh was a senior author and, and was leading the Oregon Public Health um uh Public Health Division uh on this. I remember talking with Bill about this outbreak. And the reason why I, I, this this sticks in my mind is because I, I've done a lot of work in the area of farmer's markets, and these illnesses, which actually kind of made this outbreak difficult, was that they were associated with people purchasing strawberries at a variety of farmer's markets. They were all coming from one supplier, but and, and in fact, um, I'll look, jump into the paper here. We identified 56 points of sale farmers markets roadside stands and farm produce markets for farm a strawberries comprising of 54 locations in Oregon and two in Washington state. Some of these strawberries were resold or bartered multiple times through large undocumented exchanges between vendors and, uh, consignees. And I, that messy product, um, uh, distribution chain and the, the farmer's market world is what drew me into this, um, to this, to this outbreak. But, um, in the, you know, I, I, think they did a really, um, good job, you know, they, through PFGE, they, uh, they staked out, found where the strawberries came from, went to the farm, Got a bunch of deer pellets, watched to see deers. In fact, figure two of this paper are the actual, not the actual deer, but actual deer in the field front on farm A. Like, you know, you know months or weeks after the, the outbreak happening. But like, how would deer get into the farm? Well, here's a picture of three of them right now. So I have a pretty good pretty here, here's an exact here's an example of what how, how it might have led to this. But um yeah, so I, I remember not only do I remember this, I think this is one of those important examples that I use for farmers markets and small farmers of. So you think that an outbreak can't happen. Well, here's one where we've got um 15 cases of uh of, of illness from one You know, small, somewhat small farm, but that was selling directly through farm stands and and farmer's markets.
0: Cool. So so so, uh, uh, Marler number two, uh, this is this is from uh, just a short while ago. uh, Publishers platform. How hot does a food safety lawyer cook? High as Doug Powell says, stick it in. Um, So uh, Bill writes, I was managing the barbecue last night cooking chicken breasts before they hit the grill I'd remove them from the plastic covered tray place them into a triple strength plastic bag to marinate wash my hands and counters dried all with paper towels check the grill temperature uh, of course while I waited I kept thinking how the bird parts were likely teeming with both campylobacter and salmonella don't get me started um, uh, in the interim, uh, please cook your meats thoroughly. And so he goes and he gives some different cooking temperatures for, uh, ground meats and ground poultry and various uh, things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on bills, this, this post
1: of bills? Yeah. So, okay. So let's go through, uh, carefully remove the chicken breasts from the plastic covered tray from the store and place them into a triple strength plastic bag to marinate a bit wash my hands and counters along the way and dry it all with paper towels um so then uh, we so so let's let's start let's start there um you know so, sounds good I the only thing and this is my my you know a little minor critique of bill and I, I think you and I have talked about this in either a risky not uh, episode or another food safety talk episode if I'm handling chicken breasts I'm not just um, washing my counters down or cleaning them. I'm, I'm actually using the chlorine based spray, uh, in, in my, in my kitchen. Cause I'm, uh, cause I'm very risk averse and then mm-hmm. I let it air dry, uh, not drying it with, with paper towels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you know he uh, we we did another episode of, of of risky or not talking about switching tongs and mm-hmm. my approach and and he talks about removing chicken with tongs and then washing them uh, before reusing them and then checking the internal temperature. I, yep, I I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, so. And then, uh, he gives a bunch of, uh, you know, specific, uh, temperatures that come from, from USDA. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I thought I, that, that was my only, only, only minor critique was around the using sanitizer. What was your, yeah. what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, we can quibble on the temperatures, right? Yeah. Like I'm not sure that all, all poultry needs to be cooked to 165, right? You might want to for quality, but not for safety. Uh fully cooked ham is Right there in the name, it is fully cooked. Yep. Does not have to be cooked to 140. Leftovers 165. I don't think so. We talked about yeah. this. I think on risky or not, right? Um, we did. did. Was that was that was risky or not? Yep. Right.
1: Yep. Cold yep. Leftovers. leftovers.
0: Yep. Yep. So, so yeah. So we, I would, I would disagree with some of the specific temperatures, but as a general practice for for what he did, um, not uh, not a concern.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm with you. I think this is another situation where we've, you know, as as you and I have talked about this um, related to the. uh, fight back group and and looking at temperatures and changing messages. This is one that that I still I think these temperatures need need some updates or at least some some context and nuance around. Uh, and they're uh, in, in some cases overly conservative. So so
0: one more bit of feedback and this this really warms my heart. So this is feedback from listener Rodrigo. Um. Message or title: uh, How I Used Food Safety Talk in My Global Development Degree Program. <laughs> I'm a student of global development at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. Uh, last semester, I took a course where I had to, d- had to design an imagined development project. Had to come up with a topic and was coming blank, but I recently listened recent- recent to a food safety talk episode. I've been listening for a while now and decided on a whim to look it up to see if food safety had been studied in development. Turns out it has. But it's still a very young field and area of knowledge, so I decided to develop my research into the topic. Key areas where food safety and development interact are obviously health, preventing disease, food security, can't have food security without safe food, and trade. This last one had the greatest focus so far because safety standards are a key step for global South countries who wish to develop agro-industry and export their high-value crops to North America or Europe. Our economist friends would call them non-tariff barriers." My project was focused on the project design side of things rather than food safety, but I learned a lot about how to adapt scientific knowledge and prescriptions policies to different groups. The importance of being culturally aware and know where you're standing when you teach others in general how food safety interacts with development goals in health, nutrition, industry, and gender, because guess who buys most food and cooks it across the world? Anyway, Thank you for the podcast and the inspiration for the project. I learned a lot and was able to use a rather obscure issue in my class and applied the tools and methods we learned to it. And I got an A on in the final project report. But those are unimportant <laughs> details. So this is this is great. I mean, this is this is really what why we do this. At least why I do it um, is to so that people like Rodrigo can like get inspired and do great stuff that we never would have imagined that anybody would do. So so thanks for listening, Rodrigo, and thank you for your your very, very cool feedback.
1: Yeah, no, this is this is awesome. And and I like, I'm not gonna say that we we contributed to Rodrigo's A, but I mean Maybe, we, maybe we're part of getting, getting an A here just for the inspiration, right? Like if, if Rodrigo had picked another topic that wasn't nearly as cool as food safety because he listened to another podcast on, like, some, something else in development, like using, um, you know, uh, microphone selection for podcasters or, uh, you know, some, something like that, uh, we, maybe, maybe it's just a B, so it's, so it's both the excitement and the content that I'm not, again, I'm not saying that we contributed to the a, but Hey, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, so, so what, what can I just do one more thing? Of course. Okay. So, so this is feedback from
0: listener deep fed who, uh, now that he's retired has time to listen and send us stuff. Um, so we've talked before about, um, uh, FDA warning letters, right? And this is, uh, this is perhaps the warning letter of all warning letters. Um, so this is for uh, a company named Maison Terre LLC and it is regarding their golden seal root powder organic. Uh, this is a, a, FDA classifies this as a drug um, uh, and and I will read to you one uh, one section from the warning one paragraph from the warning letter. Your golden seal root powder organic drug product was adulterated under Section 501 A2a of the FDNC Act because it was prepared packaged or held under insanitary conditions whereby it m- may have been contaminated with filth or whereby it may have been rendered injurious to health. You shared drug manufacturing space with residential food production and living space, increasing the risk of contamination of the product. For example, you generally conducted your drug manufacturing activities in your residential kitchen rather than a separate drug production area. And when your kitchen was undergoing repairs, you moved production to an ottoman in your living room adjacent to the area where the repairs were taking place. You did not have any controls in place to prevent contamination of the production environment and the drug product.
1: Wow, so... (sighs) is that i I think about um i think about my vaccine don do you think that pfizer is doing a lot of ottoman um production uh like or uh, maybe like doing a lot of vaccine production in ottoman spaces in in living rooms is that different from what well there was
0: that there was that one j&j facility that got shut down but i don't think it was shut
1: down because of ottoman living room spaces i (laughs) want I do love the the, the text here. Um, you shared drug manufacturing space with residential food production and living space, including your ottoman in your living room. Because of the repairs, do you think the kitchen was undergoing repairs to become a drug production space? So, you know, as the individual was like, you know what, I I I'm I'm doing the best I can. When you come here to in, when you come here to inspect my living room, uh, I will be uh, I, I'm gonna be I'm just going with this ottoman here. It's separate from the other things um Wow, this is good yeah I uh, yeah this is uh, this is this is a whole this is a whole
0: letter um, anyway, be, beware folks we've talked about before if you buy stuff like uh, golden seal root powder organic um, be, be careful out there um, about these things um, yeah, it's that's weird that this is classified as a drug. I would have thought it was uh, a um, dietary supplement but, Oof.
1: Well, Hey, here you go. Um, warning letters. So I, I tweeted about this, uh, earlier this week. Um, Wednesday USDA's FD or uh, FDA's warning letter postings are my like new favorite thing. Cause there's some, there's always something that you can pick out of this. And we've talked about warning letters mm-hmm. in the past, but I, there were two good ones this week. One I will, uh, I'll read from. Um it, from Crown Wellness Incorporated and they received an, a warning letter because of um claims on their Clinics Choice Clo2 E3 Renew Me BG Blue Green Algae and dia, Dio Diatomaceous earth powder. Yeah. So there's a, a really great video that says if you take these things, um uh, you know, chlorine dioxide or CL2 is a substance known as the best disinfectant against viruses, fungi, bacteria. So just go ahead and eat it, I guess, is what the video says. Um, uh, with this video, I, I this is the way that I like to publish things, Don, uh, with mm-hmm. a quote that says, With this video, I want to publish officially the first success of treatment against coronavirus or COVID-19 with more than 100 affected people recovered after only four days. So I, what I learned from this warning letter is that if instead of going through the peer review process, you, if you just say these things, I want to publish officially, then it is done. Don, my favorite part is the benefits on the products label. This sweeps bacteria. I'm not. Sure. Is that a good thing? What are bacteria sweeps? Um, well, if, it's, if it sweeps them into the trash, sweep, it just it just sweeps them. Uh, it normalizes bowels. You know, you you definitely want normal. normal I don't want bowels.
0: abnormal bowels. No, man. I want my bowels to be normal.
1: Nor well, you want them to be normalized. That's for sure. <laughs> and it also clears up diarrhea, and it's opposite constipation. Wow, <laughs> it does it both <laughs> of them. It does it both, and it's opposite. You got the diarrhea. What about the opposite constipation? Clears up both. Clears them up. Uh, so, so, so send send me that link. I will. Um, I, I've got another one that at first
0: it had me a little concerned. The headline is: North Carolina woman arrested for selling unproven remedies for COVID nineteen. Oh, now man. we know your wife Ben. She is very entrepreneurial. She is. And I I thought for a minute she might have overstepped, uh, but it turns out no. Uh, this is this is a different person, uh, unrelated. Uh, Diana Daffin, sixty eight of Charlotte, North Carolina, was arrested today and charged with violating the. The Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act by selling unapproved COVID nineteen remedies over the internet. So, um, she owns a holistic medicine company called Savvy Holistic Health, doing business as Holistic Healthy Pet. Um, But, but, but it's good news. It's it's nobody uh, nobody related to you um, that we know uh, of. They 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 did they they are uh, nearby you in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh man, excellent.
1: Uh, Well, there you go. Hopefully, I wonder if if the stuff that she was selling also tones your respiratory tract. Or kills worms or parasites. But, Don, at the same time, it lowers bad cholesterol. I mean, this is a – I'm not going to say that this is a miracle cure because I don't think they said that directly. But it sounds like this is a miracle cure for everything. Do you have vertigo? Because this will (laughs) help you with that. Helps with diabetes. Literally, it says helps with diabetes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, uh, in email correspondence, uh, she the woman stated that it works for COVID, but FDA shut it down. Um, uh. The label states that it provides quote a stronger immunity against CV and and promise quote immunity for humans.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm all in favor of immunity for humans. This is great, great stuff. So good. Here's the deal. Thank you, FDA, for. Like, A, doing a great job tracking things like this down, and B, posting these so we can all see this because this is. The some of the some of the best comedy gold that's that's out there for uh, that that if you were a podcaster and you were talking about public health this would be good po- good podcast fodder just yeah
0: and 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 look. you know I'm we'll link to the warning the generic warning letters page
1: I mean literally there's 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 fun here every week every every week this is this is it and this is what I what I said in my tweet I look forward to MMWR every week and now. I get an email update saying, Hey, for, remember us, uh, the recall or not the recall, the warning letters uh, page has been updated. We got some new ones for you. So, uh, yeah. So I, I head on over there and I look at the issuing office and I first see, oh, do we have any from SIFSAN? Excellent. Do we have any, uh, that, that relate to anything food? Now let's look at office of, uh, human and animal food operations. Okay, perfect. Let me look at those as well. So. Yeah, it's uh it's a good it's a good source of uh, and and actually I sent you one um, mm-hmm. because it's also a good learning if you happen to be working with a uh, um, someone who's making things that look like foods that end up in a warning letter you know whether it's produce or or whatever or seafood being able to say here's where someone has gone wrong these are things you need to avoid it's a really good learning tool for um for our the you know the 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 people that we support in the food industry
0: as well absolutely and lesson number one for me this week was you know don't make food or drugs on an ottoman in your living room no you know i think that that's probably a that's a keeper
1: drag drag that ottoman to the garage if you have one and and make that your food uh and drug uh processing area
0: Don't do that either, folks. Ben's joking.
1: It's satire. (laughs) Satire. Satire. Uh, Hey, so I think I think that's a show. I think that's a show. Uh, You know, go to go to Food Safety Talks uh, place on the uh, in in iTunes if you want to rate us uh, and rate and subscribe and like and subscribe. Uh, Smash that button. Smash that button. You could leave a review, like (laughs) my favorite one of all time, where someone just said it's girl talk between two guys. And it's uh, one star. So keep adding to our, to that, which uh, ho- however you, you would like to uh, yeah. And Don, as always, I enjoy, um, I enjoy my time with you. It's, it's my uh, it's one of the things that I look forward to every, every week or every two weeks is just getting on, on a call and talking through the weird stuff that we see in the internet and things that we're experiencing. So I, I and, appreciate and, you.
0: And as we, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. And as we say, um, you know, we would do this, um, even if nobody listened or the episodes never get posted,
1: if, if they never get posted, <laughs> we just record them and we keep them, you know, where they're going to go, Don, I, it like, maybe I'll just put them directly into the library of Congress and it'll be right beside the maps. <laughs> yes, like, the, the map. say, yep. There'll be maps and then there'll be unpublished podcast episodes. Uh, uh, all right. I think, uh, I think that's it. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well we survived a music class so that was good yeah it was good yeah
0: it was it was very it was very faint on my end so i think it should be fine
1: it got i i had to mute a couple of times because it was getting it was starting to shake my coffee cup <laughs> wow, wow. um all right okay so uh, what do we i have one that has not Oh, and see, we we recorded it last week, right? So we this is this we this was a yeah. We're, we're, we 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 recorded this. Yeah, it's, it's you are fine. I mean, yeah. it's 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 fine. So I'll get I'll get it's that not, one up. Um, yeah, and then this one I'll save for the week at you know next week. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And then remember, I am not able to record the twenty seventh, eighth, ninth, thirtieth, or thirty first. So. That- so it's good we got a little bit of a buffer. Exactly. Buffer. Yeah. And I think that's why we did it. So, so, so are you right, available? So, what, so yeah. tell me again. Yeah. So what does June 1st look like to you?
0: Wide open except for 4 o'clock.
1: Okay. I am um, – someone is about to put something on my calendar. Let me go into my email and look at what one that is. Uh, ten? Okay. So I'm – I'm good at 11 AM and then up until four. So you pick, pick a time in between that. I can't do, I got a meeting at 10. Okay. uh, Let's do one. Yep. Perfect. Then we can get our walks in with the dog. We can have our lunch. Exactly. Lunch. Or as you call it, breakfast, (laughs) breakfast,
0: breakfast. So I'm, so, so in, in, uh, in, in in 7-Eleven diet feedback, I'm uh, my my new diet is, is called 9:30 uh, 9:30 930, 930 or 8:30 whatever it takes. So I am <laughs> gradually sh- like shutting down the eating at progressively incrementally smaller earlier hours. Yeah. Over time, and I, I've got a spreadsheet, and I've got a, a regression line, and it's it's it's. I think it's working. It's, it's, it hasn't helped my weight, but it's definitely helping my sleep to move the last eating event further from my bedtime.
1: That's, that's huge. It like once I, I don't know for, for me, my, like I'm, I'm having sort of two relatively larger meals as opposed to three smaller meals. Yeah, And yep. then by the time I get to that second meal, um, I, I'm not like, if I do get hungry, I'll make a, um, I'll make a smoothie that's just like frozen cooked and then refrozen berries. And, um, and like some oat milk or almond right. milk, like, and, and that's filling me up, right? Like that, that right. adds this extra, like, Oh, okay, good. I'm not, I haven't been snacking at all. So, um, yeah. and and it's true. Like, I mean, it's like anything, right? Like you, once you be, once it becomes a habit, it's, it, it's there. Like, you don't, yeah. you're not really avoiding anything anymore. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's good. Um, I have, I've been, so, like, on my um, fitness tracking, I've been – I joined Strava. Strava? I don't know if that's mm-hmm. – which yep. is, like, a sharing thing. And yeah, that yeah, – I
0: think my son is on it for his cycling.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, like, you do bi- biking and walking. and There's swimming, but I won't do swimming. But that has made me – like, I'm tracking more things. And you end up – like, I subscribe to it so you could – it tells you about like sp- based on gps like specific loops that you've done or or mm-hmm. things that you do multiple times are you faster than you were last time like i like that aspect of it so i have because of that over the last 2 months i am now like uh, i'm trending up on all my stuff all my activity like mm-hmm. i'm i'm up to or is it i looked at this yesterday um like like i'm i was at on average burning like 831 active calories a day uh or 841 now i'm at 936 like i've almost since march i've increased my my average uh calorie burn by 100 a day and that's oh, wow. when i started strava yeah huh uh, my exercise minutes are up i was doing 35 minutes a day now i'm at 42 um i think it's just because i'm tracking stuff and it's it's yeah. just a another like there's an incentive now, right? Like let me go out and try and run. Like like I did something that I'd never done before, which is like let me see how fast I can run a mile, <laughs> like mm-hmm. because now I'm I, I have a mechanism to match that up and what you know what my fat like and, and it's kind of cool. I just like the stats aspect of it. So anyway, <clears> that that that's been it's good, but it hasn't. I mean, my my weight is pretty much like pretty stagnant, but that's okay. I mm-hmm. think I'm like that's that's better than. It not being stagnant, <laughs> like, well, like, going up. exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, my weight has gone up uh, in the pandemic and it's not coming down. And I know I just need to eat less, but I'm, I'm at this point, my uh, higher priority is getting good sleep. And with yeah. the, the, like, and, and I'm just all in on wearing my Apple watch at night and getting all the stats. And as long as those stats are trending positive, I'm, I'm not really caring about the weight for right now. And you know, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just overweight according to BMI, which people think is, is not, is, is, right. is bullshit. So
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I've like, I got to a point where I'm like 25 pounds lighter than I was like two and a half wow. years ago. Yeah. But over like two and a half years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm, but I've stayed there. So I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm, 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 you know, on my daily way in, I'm, I'm anywhere from like two Oh three to two Oh six, but mm-hmm. i have I've been consistently in that pocket for, yeah. um, for a while. So, yeah. Yep. Um, all right. I will, uh, edit some stuff and post some stuff. Okay. Um,
0: so, so, sh- uh, titles that I captured and show notes are in the Dropbox and the Dropbox file has been renamed and. And I've cleaned out we've cleaned out a bunch of stuff. So I think we're 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 kind of lean and lean and mean in the in the topics
1: for next yeah. time. So well that's why I was like uh, I, I saw what we had and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna think about things that we've been doing this week so I can talk about them yeah. and made a little map of, of all yeah. of our stuff. So I love math. I, I know, I know I make a but it was a it was more of a mind map for for me. <sighs> right. But still a map, still it's right in the still a map. It's right in the word. It says a map. Um cool. All right. I will uh Um, I will talk to you later. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.